Uh, welcome back to the podcast, episode 102. We've got Brian Cron. We had a couple of weeks break where we uh, didn't record anything because uh, of some summer travel, but we should be back with you guys every week now going forward. So Brian's going to talk about a lot of coaching stuff, some basic practical nutrition things, how to use rules. Our industry sort of says, oh, you're not supposed to use rules, but Brian is a really creative and effective way of helping individual people with rules that are tailored to them. We're going to get into a discussion of how to get super, super crazy lean for very short periods of time and the context within which we can do that. We get into some human psyche stuff and how people relentlessly rationalize poor choices. And Brian is also a presenter at our event in mid-September 14th, 15th, the Canadian Evolve Strength Symposium. I think I said those words in the wrong order. That's okay. And uh, we talk a little bit about the value of going to these events. So stay tuned. Enjoy. Shut up and sit down. All right, I think that was five-second countdown Guido gives me. So welcome to <laughs> our latest episode of the podcast. We actually took a, about three weeks off because of summer vacation stuff. So sorry for the break, guys, but we're back. We'll have something for you every week. Uh, and we're returning with his record fifth episode with us. So oh. nobody else has been with us for five. And I don't know how the fuck this happened, but Brian Cron, out of all of the people in the fitness universe, somehow is our favorite <laughs> yeah. person. We brought after. back the E-list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so uh, he's here to share some practical coaching know-how. I, I got to drop myself because we got shit on by an individual for apparently bantering with our male guests differently than our female guests. And I'm going to point this out. We treat our female guests with more respect and kindness. I would never <laughs> say that to like... Uh, Kelly Coffee or Soli Lee. I'd say the Kelly. So, like, we, like we call Brad Dieter an idiot all of the time, and we love <laughs> the guy. He's like the sweetest human ever. So, um, that that just it. okay. So, back so, to, so, what you're basically saying? We don't show our male guests any respect. It's actually the, the opposite. <laughs> we, we like to beat up on our male. Uh, so, anyway, but he's also yeah. <clears throat> Brian is also uh, one of our presenters at uh, our Evolve Canadian Strength Symposium event uh, here in Edmonton, September 14, 15. So, welcome back. It's good to have you. Good to be here. Good to be here. It's like, why do you keep coming back? <laughs> I don't know. I asked myself that. Well, certainly all morning I was asking myself that. But you I'm know, like talking to these guys again, Jesus. I think it's because like like we we've said it before. Like when we have Canadian guests, we can actually like understand some like we we understand each other, so we can talk more freely. Oh, right. because there's like some understanding of like you're in Calgary, I'm in Edmonton. We all yeah. talk and say hey, and everyone thinks we talk funny. Brian, where were you? Where did you grow yeah. up? Because you you were born in the U.S., weren't you? You grew up there? No, no, no. I grew up in Winnipeg. Okay, yeah, so that, that, even that, better. I was of the misconception. <laughs> I was actually of the misconception you were originally from the U.S. So no, you, I knew you weren't originally from Calgary, where you are now. No, so. no, no, no. We moved a bunch. Uh, as my wife, she went to school forever. So <laughs> with every with every stop in the forever journey, we went to the U.S. and. Uh, we were in Alberta before, and yeah, so we, we bounced around quite a bit. Yeah, no one wants to go live in Winnipeg. Like, that would have been a <laughs> tough sell for the wife. Like, hey, let's go back yep. to my hometown. Except for July, August. That's what keeps people there. <laughs> Two months yeah. of the year. Because it's hot? Oh, it's perfect. It's yeah. hot and dry. That's yeah. true. Hot. Yeah. And the rest That's... of the year, it's like, it's one of the coldest places in Canada outside of the Arctic. So, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, now they got their jets, though. So, the people are kind of like, they're dealing with it. Yeah. But, yeah, but even the Jets are starting to shit the bed again. Well, so. I was going to say, after last year, it's like, it's going to be chaos there. 
Oh, it's they had no reason to go out in the first round. That was appalling. Yeah, appalling. It's, it's yeah. Fortnite. Fortnite's been doing it. <laughs> That, that was all in, well, that's why Winnipeg made like the national news because of Patrick Laine, and like a few of them are addicted to Fortnite, so they're getting like all fucked up before games and stuff, playing Fortnite till like three in the morning, and yeah, oh, and they called them out and everything. It and was a it was a big thing within hockey. Like I, in general, a, yeah. I trade a kid who just literally just drove yeah. down to Seattle uh, for the Thunderbirds of the WHL, and yeah, now he's given it up, but he loved Fortnite. He was playing tons of this shit. So I don't know. Was, was it who do we have on that was basically like? I think it was Cav. No, maybe it's Thibodeau. But anyways, he was saying like he could tell by how much Fortnite they're playing on their HRV scores, like if they're going to make the pros or not. Like they played too much shit and had too many bad scores. I can't even remember that conversation. Maybe so, it was on maybe, a different podcast. I think that was something that had nothing to do with our podcast. You're mixing shit up. Anyways, they could like correlate like how well of a shot they're going to have at the next level based on their HRV scores, based on how much they're playing video games. It's almost like they're fucking up their training every time they stay up till three with the blue light. And then they're competitive, so they're stuck in the sympathetics for so long that they actually have to recover from it. So it's fucked. Yeah, and, and that's Got just it. something I just I just don't get. And I, I even see it in my Gen Pop clients. I, I just had a guy yesterday, out of nowhere, he said, I've had to quit gaming. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? Like, I, I mean, this, this is the first I've heard of this. And, and his challenge was always just sticking to the diet and, yeah. and, and, you know, the basics. And he's like, yeah, it, it was just becoming too much for me. I had to quit gaming. And I just said, oh, that's good but i'm just in my head i'm like what how does that become debilitating like, dude have you ever yeah. been like addicted to a video game i used to play world of warcraft like what oh, between t 10 and 13 years ago and i dude i wrote an article about this shit like seriously this stuff like takes i guess off, you would know yeah it takes over your yeah. life so right now yeah. so here's actually something interesting for trainers if you got any clients who are wild players world of warcraft players uh they're re-releasing the original classic stuff I've got two guys who love this shit. One, I got to keep a real close eye on. He's already rescheduled a session because he wants to have some time to play Warcraft. He's still making it a different time. Yeah. But like the some of these people are going to be like pretty hooked on this shit. So you got to keep an eye on your people because that's a lot of sitting down and eating crap. And this shit is addictive. This is like drugs. Yeah, I guess uh, I don't know. I just don't, I can't see how you would be if you're so into the game. You know, I get that, and you lose track of time, you lose track of sleep, and all that shit, and then, you know. I don't get how you want to eat at the same time. You know, it's not like you're sitting and watching TV or whatever and just – or binging on a TV show. Because there you're just chilling, presumably. But if you're playing a game and you're all like amped and you're all like into it, like how, how would it even occur to yeah. you to eat? If anything, you'd miss me. I, I, I lost weight you're playing. More, yeah, like, you're more likely though to not want to put the time into cooking and preparing food. So oh, think, okay, okay. think about like, well, 10, 12 years ago when this stuff came out, not such a big deal. Sure, you're ordering pizza. Now you got to skip the dishes. So think yeah. about that, right? So you have access to convenient high-calorie food and you get in this loop where you're raiding or you're just doing whatever PvP and you're interacting with other people. It's not like you can pause the game the same way you can pause Super oh. Mario Brothers. So you can stay really in that world and it becomes a very... Uh, it's a virtual world with virtual uh, like communities, and you you know you have online There's guilds friends. and shit. Guilds, absolutely. And this stuff, people take. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> right. And so, so you're like accountable to the team. So like if you're like raiding and you leave, like you'll literally get kicked from the group, and then that's probably even worse for your psyche. Yeah. Like you just got kicked out of your tribe online, <laughs> totally. and like you lost your tribe in real life because you're fucking playing this game. Like your life's over. Like people have oh like got God. fucked up from that. Like yeah. that's, that's totally real. So, but, but, but this, this, <laughs> as much as we joke about this, like people are going to get pretty immersed in this classic edition because it's probably like what 
15, 16 years since this original thing because they keep expanding it to, um, so the game changes. But now they're going back to the original one, the option to yeah. play this original one. And it's super popular. So you're going to yeah. see a massive influx of former players go back to it, some new people discovering it. So yeah, if you've got someone in your general world who gets into this stuff, maybe they'll just stick around with it. But some people really get sucked in heavy on this stuff. So. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm, hey, I'm a, one of my big things is that everyone has an addiction. Everyone has a vice. You yeah, know? That's so that's, true. you know, if that's your thing, just learn how to manage it somehow. Um, but yeah, that never occurred to me. I forgot that there's other people like, yeah, online who are, who are counting on you. It, it, it sounds crazy, <laughs> but like, that's a real thing. Like, even when I was playing MMOs, that's the world of Warcraft world. Like, yeah, yeah you can't just leave. Like, you could, I guess, but like, it literally, like, you can't just, it's at least two or three hours. And yeah. so, like, you need that block of time, and it's usually more. So, like, good luck having a release. Like, I don't know. I was in college. So, I was in college yeah. playing football. I didn't go to class. So, I had fucking lots of time. Well, this, um, this is going to be frightening, but I, I, I wrote this in the article. It was actually kind of the first yeah. article I ever wrote that got reshared around and uh, shared on the Personal Trainer Development Center. And I actually talked about this. Like, over the course of playing that game for three years, three actual chronological years, I had been logged into my main character for a full year. There's actually a thing that shows you. So I've actually played one third of my life for a three year period was actually on this character. That's that's a level of addiction. So and you I still got the two fifty. I wasn't training as consistently then. I actually made a choice that you know, hey, so, I got one or the other. I got like serious commitment to, to gym stuff, or yeah. I can play this and it, there was like there was a lot of fun. It absolutely, it was a, a cool thing, but it was also a lot of negatives. So I said, okay, no, enough of this shit, and I'm done. So. Cool, cool turkey. Yeah, yeah that's um, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a tipping point for everything, man. I mean, I'm it, every day I get amazed, but what how people can manage, you know, certain things in their life, like how they can manage an addiction or a passion or something to the point where it's just on the point of becoming. Yeah utterly debilitating and crashing their entire world down like a house of cards, but they just kind of stay above that, that, that point. And functional alcoholics, like functional. you wouldn't even, oh, you wouldn't even like some of them are in good shape too. Like they oh, can, yeah. you can manage that shit. Not that we're like saying go manage it. Like, but like yeah. addiction will let you, like you'll figure it out. Well, so something I think <laughs> is really important here is the yeah. prevalence of people who had previous lifestyle addiction behavior. I mean, before the whole Warcraft thing, you know, yeah. I in my mid twenties, we're talking about some hard partying lifestyle stuff, some serious drinking. I used to own a nightclub, like a martini bar, and we were in there after hours. That was when we really did our business. So, you know, and and I was into into fitness at the time, and certainly before it. But you replace negative addictions with a positive one, like fitness. So you have so yeah. many people walking around, a lot of competitive, aesthetic competitors, a lot of like mm-hmm. and strong men or powerlifters, certainly, but. Yeah. There's a lot of people in a lot of everyday walks of life who replace these negative addictive behaviors with very addictive fitness and nutrition behavior. And while we know that is almost overwhelmingly good, there still are negative aspects of it. So actually that kind of leads to the question. See, we always go off off fucking script with you. Um, You know, what do you think are some of the negative stuff that can creep in when people really develop fitness addictions? Oh, well, certainly, uh, especially if someone is kind of an OCD type. I mean, fitness is just, uh, you know, it's just, it's a free for all. There's so many things that you can get, uh, so many rabbit holes that you can run down and so many boxes that you can tick. Yeah. Um, like I remember when I was, uh, just still trying to compile all this information that I had, like, like training myself and training others and all these things I had to look at. I remember I created, um, basically a checklist. 
just all the daily practices that I do and all the daily practices that I want a client to do. And it was, it got to be pages and pages and pages of all this shit, whether it's, you know, drink this much water, drink, you know, eat this much protein, have this many vegetables, like you, you name it. Like, and until it's, until it's at that point where it's innate in you and you just don't even have to think about it. Like it can really, um, if someone's OCD, it can really trigger stuff. And, um, I see it a lot sometimes. I can spot it right away in the questions I get from people. Like, um, this one, there's just too much, especially too much adherence to a schedule and, you know, there are this many grams of protein or this many, you know, and now you see it in training when people are trying to hyperanalyze the training experience. Like, Oh, I was three, I had three reps in reserve. Should I have been more two reps in reserve? And I just sit here going, you know, in 10 years, you're going to look back at that question and go, wow, I'm, I'm, that was good. <laughs> no, you know, and, and, but I find this industry in particular, it just, it, the OCD type for want of a better word, seems to gravitate towards it. And, uh, it can be debilitating. Well, that's and, a cool thing too, just because now with a lot of the <clears throat> RP stuff and RIR stuff is a lot yeah. of it's mentally driven anyway. So like your perception of your RP or IR is solely mm. locked into you, like your mental observation yeah. of what's going on. So like if you're OCD, like you're almost like one thing that responds and you, you suck yeah. more, like you almost are, you get worse. Oh yeah, completely. Like as soon as you get too into that part of your brain, um, this effort stops yeah. or it doesn't stop it, or it gets suppressed at least. It just, you're thinking, you're thinking time. through it. It's like, oh, I got to think through yeah. this, 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 and you're thinking about your RP during it. And then your intensity more or less will drop. And I'm sure not everyone's like that, but yeah. I know when you try to think through stuff, like I end up lifting way worse. I can tell you one thing I've yeah. never in my fucking lifting life thought about RPE. And yet <laughs> <laughs> Brian will probably agree with me entirely on this. With guys like you and me who've been like in the weight rooms for as long as we have, right? Yeah, yeah. We intuitively have our reps in reserve in mind. We know how many more reps we could get. You know yeah. your body, but you don't think of it as, oh, fuck, I got two reps in reserve left. Right? Like, <laughs> we just did it. <laughs> now that people are like classifying this stuff. And it's actually useful for some people. But even yeah. for like squats and deadlifts, like try fucking like 400 feels like 500 feels like 600. All, they all feel the fucking exact same. So it's just a matter <laughs> yeah. of like effort. For someone who could deadlift over but, 600 but like, pounds. Like but even like so yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of some people, 225 to 315, like that's why you get a lot of people when they do 10 extra reps if you push them. They're like, oh, I was almost done. And then they bang out like an extra 10 if you force them. It's like, oh, you just weren't trying hard enough. And that's well, just, it's hard. Yeah, like environment changes everything. Mm-hmm. Like if you're training at, you know, at a very commercial gym, you yeah. might not have the same drive. You go train with a bunch of meatheads who are, you know, way, blasting the music and screaming in your ear. Like fuck. Like way stronger. Like you're more like yeah. pop stuff. But like, <laughs> like when we were in Costa Rica doing our ten rep maxes, anyways, like I lifted way more, and I was like, oh shit, I should train with people more often, just mm-hmm. because that whole tribe thing. But like I yeah. tried way harder, and it didn't feel heavy, and I. At a commercial gym, you're sitting there with depressing music, so you put your headphones on. Instead of being yeah. in your People own are, basement yeah. with like your yeah. shirt Absolute, off, but arrows on video. Absolutely, yeah. though. I lift way more at home than I do at Good Life because the bench sucks. Someone took yeah. my bench mid You know what I mean? They're just like, fuck, yeah. yep. and ruins your workout. And then there's, there's just your individual context. Like I, I did a first real leg workout yesterday in probably two months. So I, I was just burning out, and I just started to mail it in and dieting and all that jazz. And just squatting 225 – just have, not having a bar on my back and so long, that felt heavy. And I just went, you know, I did the best reps I could, got whatever. I don't know what my RPE was or my reps in reserve because it's, it's a totally different context. It's like relearning the lift again, you know. 
So I think sometimes people there's there's so many things to consider mm-hmm. that you know you, you can't just plop everything into this you know convenient paradigm and whatever. That's what I think. And I think individuals are going to find their own paradigm because yeah. there's so yeah. many fitness professionals and so many thought processes about yeah. how to train that anyone who's fairly serious about it is going to gravitate. Like I'll, I'll use this as a good example. So uh, I tend to gravitate towards the the coaching and thinking of. Funny, I guess a, a lot of the old T Nation guys, you know, that, that includes you, Lee Boyce, uh, you know, Dean Somerset falls in that. I definitely gravitate towards a lot of Mike Isertel's thinking in terms of training and, and volume mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, Dean is much, much, much more pulled into Pat Davidson's work, Ben House. But, like, that's uh, layered with Mike Isertel, like, oh, yeah. pretty much. And then yeah. there are people who really get pulled into you're you're more pulled into HRV than I am. Like at me, I'm just like ah fuck, I'll see how I feel. Yeah. Today. <laughs> but even that is like you go in that and you realize like if, yeah. if you're actually objective about it, it's like it doesn't really mean shit. Like, just like <laughs> I, I kind of laugh. You you have to be careful not to include so many things in your process, whether it's HRV or even measuring your fucking heart rate. Like you you can't have too many things that will talk you out of working hard. Absolutely, that's the best way I've ever heard it put. Because like it, it sucks, you know. And and like me personally, I find really like anything under four reps, I start to get scared because <laughs> not not fucking scared, but like I'm, cause I'm gonna, terrified. I think, yeah, I think okay, something something might pop. Yeah. And once you you know once you're in your forties, you don't have many pops left. You're, you know, you're running out of pops. You're gonna have one big pop, and then you're doomed to. Not having a bar in your back again. So. Yeah, then you sit in a machine yeah. the rest of your life. Which yeah. is, like, yeah. some of that shit's fine. But I like yeah. barbells, yeah. too. So, However, like, higher reps, like, that kind of, you know, which is which was something like squatting fucking sucks. But it's, um, that doesn't scare me as much. Because usually, you know, you'll you'll just gas out and, and make a fool out of yourself. But you rarely will you really get hurt. Because just the loads aren't as high. So, I don't know. Like, you have to, I think, I don't know. Well, especially as you get older. But yeah. even as you get better at lifting if that makes sense like yeah like i don't know i see yeah. a lot of those metrics talking people out of stuff like you said yeah. even like the heart rate stuff is like you can give yourself an excuse to to get out of it or hrv same thing and that's where you're kind of looking at a lot of people that are taking this information in after now four or five years and it's like yeah. they're they're distilling it down to like you got to work harder <laughs> like yeah. it, all that stuff almost doesn't matter it does but it's like such minutiae for like 95 percent of people working out it's like it doesn't fucking matter i think well, you yeah. have to yeah, learn I mean, the body's built to adapt <clears throat> i mean it's it's you know whomever or whatever designed it was it designed it to you know when when it's things are slightly challenged and you didn't get enough sleep or your fucking HRV is a little high, it'll still overcome. It'll still adapt. Otherwise you wouldn't have made it this far. And RP's app is a perfect example. So like there's tracking macros and all that stuff. RP's app is like pretty fucking simple. It's like eat these foods, make sure you're hitting this protein five times a day. And like, that's fucking it. And then you'll get people like, what about my 20 grams of protein directly put pre-workout and (laughs) post-workout with how many carbs should I be taking? And like you're saying, and that's the OCD. It's like literally, man, it doesn't fucking matter. Like RP's making millions of this stuff. They're the best in the business. And they're saying like, just fucking eat five meals with this much protein. Like you'll be fine. Like you live. Yeah. Yeah, you will. You will make progress. Yeah. So, I love this sort of stuff, and and this sort of feeds into one of the questions we did actually have for you, and and I'll sort of explain it this way. So, one of my favorite things about your advice and your wisdom is the willingness to break away from the like the technical letter of the research, and yet use simple rules to guide a person to their goal. And sometimes those rules might sort of go against what we say to people. I'll, I'll use a common example that, that you've yeah. often cited 
we're not supposed to tell people that carbs at night are bad for you. They, we know that they don't make you fat, but yet yeah. Yeah. sometimes telling a certain client, all right, don't eat past 9 fucking p.m. because that client is someone who will binge on cookies, the kind of food that they eat. And, and they like rules. Sometimes people like rules. And I don't think we're doing any harm by giving some of those people rules. So this is something that you do a lot of. Um, yeah. There was a post recently. You talked about gremlins. So I wanted you to elaborate <laughs> on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I do try to do that. I, I try to make the process as as simple as possible for people, um, especially when I can figure out where their, their biggest kind of hang-up is, you know. Um, so if someone is just a habitual stress eater at night because they have a demanding job and they, or they don't get enough sleep and that naturally kind of increases your cravings at night. Um, and whatever they, whatever they blow their diet, it's, it's always when they're like in their underwear at 1130 at night, fridge open, and they're just rummaging through food. <laughs> like if you have them on a, if, if you try to get all sciencey and convince them, well, you know, you know, calorie, you know, body doesn't work like that way. And, you know, calories you eat at a certain time doesn't matter. Um, that can be enough kind of information to embolden them into thinking that, okay, I can, I can eat at night and make these great choices. Um, but like, however, like you have to remember if this person is stressed and they're tired and they're eating at night, their, their capacity to make good choices is diminished. Yeah. Um, and at that point, someone who, you know, habitually kind of eats in the evening it's more of a self-medicating thing. Like they're not, you know, that that's more what they're looking for is to have the feeling of stress relief of having something good to eat. So rather than give them some, some choices that, okay, you can have chicken and broccoli here, or you can, but don't exceed, you know, 250 calories and give them all these rules to say, you know, fuck it. You can't eat at night because, you know, it's like what your mother said, nothing good happens after midnight, you know, you, nothing. You, rarely do people make good food choices after midnight. So I'd rather just eliminate their ability, their 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 ability to make a choice. Then so you can't eat. Well, and science that, doesn't take that into account. Like their yeah, food environment. Yeah. Like they, like sorry, science. Like yeah. this person can't well, handle that rule. And this well, is, yeah. this is not <clears throat> to invalidate research because you get the people oh. out there who will like will just like shooting our research. Ah, oh, research don't no fuck. Research is extraordinarily valuable. It's your starting point. But research is also done on a bell curve. You have what the majority of the population, you know, this is aggregate data over populations is what will happen. But then the bell curve on either side, you have outliers. You still have to take into account your individual client's psychology and their lifestyle. Yeah. And yeah. you start yeah. with the science. You don't do stupid shit like tell them carbs are going to make you fat. Like insulin, the magical insulin fairy is bad for you, right? Like, no, yeah. that shit's not true. But then you apply it individually to that client. You go, okay, well, guess what? you seem to psychologically not do so great on carbs. So, you know, we could have a little bit more fat in your diet. We have a little bit less carbs. If you're feeling good, fuck it, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, th and that's where coaching comes in is, is, is you have to, you very quickly have to figure out you know, how a person's wired and where their, where their natural tendencies are and, and just work with how, it, how that can work to their success. You kind of double down on that. And the things that go directly against their success, you, you try to minimize that. So, you know, if someone is, they just, they just can't eat in the morning for whatever reason, you know, here's a lot with women. Oh, I'm not hungry in the morning. Well then rather than force them to eat breakfast, just say, okay, good. We're not gonna eat in the morning. We're just going to do what you normally do. And, you know, you build your diet, build their diet around their natural eating patterns. So, and if someone just makes horrific food choices at night because they're stressed to the max all day and then they come home and there's nothing prepared and they got a, the thought of like cooking at 1130 isn't they're not feeling it 
um, you know, you work the other way. So, okay, we're not going to, you know, after 8 p.m., you don't eat. We're going to build your diet around eating more during the day. And so when you come home, you have one option. It's just whatever, diet, Coke Zero, whatever. I don't know. Like you you build these rules in that are really just built around their their natural way of traveling. And those those rules have to work for that person too, because let's let's use this example. You've got someone who you're saying, all right, well, you can't do this. And that's the sort of person that's going to go fucking do it because they were told not to. Then they're still eating at night. Okay. Well, that doesn't work. You got to find a different approach to it. Right. So it's not that, Hey, just telling someone don't eat at night fixes all the problems. It's got to be something that'll actually fucking adhere to. Yeah. Because there's so many ways to reach the goal, you know, provided basic physiological parameters are met. So, I mean, I'd be stupid if I try to waste my time making, you know, trying to contort them to some, you know, meal system or give them a bunch of, frankly, information that they really don't need, you know, or give them a bunch of facts, a bunch of data. I just, let's do, this is what you're currently doing. I'm going to take it and make it better, you know, so it's basically like your lifestyle, just in, but more in tune to hitting a goal. And then you just have to tweak as opposed to making someone, you know, making a, a, a non-breakfast eater into a breakfast eater or making a, you know. So it's, I find that's that's the heart and soul of coaching is just finding these little, you know, little things to double down on and things to avoid in someone's in someone's current practice. Well, something you brought up there is interesting too. Yeah. It's like that whole idea of like throwing research at them and stuff. And usually if, if you understand coaching, that's generally a good way to start a fight. Basically. Like there's no yeah. one who's not going to get defensive about it. Like they don't give a shit about your fucking research. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and oh, if they I, do, that's great. But I mean, that's that's the coaching element of it. But like, don't try to back up. Like, you got to eat in the morning because of this, this, and this, and this. Like, just make it work. I'll give you yeah. a good example of this. I've had clients before. We've all had clients who think that aspartame is poison. They think it's fucking cancer-causing poison. Okay, cool. Yeah. Guess what? Oh, yeah. That is not someone I'm going to tell to go drink Diet Coke. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. that's their teddy bear. You don't fucking go there. Right? They're identifying with that. Like, you yeah. basically, yeah. you attack that. You basically just attack their and identity. And you've compromised your relationship, your trust with them. No, yeah. fuck, don't go there, right? And, yeah. like, for God's sakes, and this is one of my big pet peeves, like sometimes every once in a while our industry goes on blast about vaccines. That has nothing to no, fucking do with us. We're not talking about vaccines. That has nothing to fucking do with us. Right? So guess what? Half our listeners are fucking gone now. Right? But no, that's my yeah. point. Is like don't fucking go there. Like oh, yeah. okay. we are not doctors, there's nothing to fucking do with us. We're not changing anybody's mind. So don't go having those conversations with clients. I've worked with anti vax clients. And yeah. guess what? I don't fucking go there. They'll bring it up and I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do this next set, right? Like, fuck no, I'm not getting into that shit with them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many things you can focus on that actually matter. Like to get in the weeds with stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I have clients all the time who are like, well, I don't like any artificial sweeteners. I'm like, well, fuck, fine. You know, that's, you know, you know, that's, that's great. We certainly don't have to include them. I mean, there's plenty of foods that don't have artificial sweeteners. No, there's a fuck that like, you have to have 10 grams of fucking super low. What is it? Uh, yeah. Super yeah. low is your fucking diet, right? My wife's like, she's not like that. She doesn't not like them, but she swears she can taste them and stuff. And I'm like, shut the fuck yeah. up. Sorry. She's going to hear that. But like, I, no, does no, she no, still I, listen I, to them? Oh, yeah, she, yeah, she, you know, my wife does listen to it because I made fun of her for that like compliment yeah. sandwich bullshit. We had this like yeah. thing where I yeah. called my wife out, and she's like, "Oh, you don't think I listen to that?" Hey, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "Well, and you know, and I've had you know very, very smart, very like intuitive clients say, you know, I when I drink some of the aspartame, I get a headache. Like, what am I going to do? Tell them that they're wrong? Say, no, you're fucking wrong. You know, like, how do I know? You know, maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe no, they do. Maybe I, it does cause it. Like, who cares? That it happens. Does. It happens to a few people. Some people yeah. get headaches when they drink this stuff. Don't drink it. Like, fuck. I, I want to yeah. test that out. We should have, like, there's a taste like, test. There's, like, all kinds of foods 
that yeah. like people are allergic to weird shit. They have reactions to weird shit. Guess what? Don't eat you it. You can have a reaction to aspartame. It doesn't mean that it's bad for everybody, but like some people can have it so that shit is legitimate. Fine, fuck. Sometimes it's in their heads. Okay, it yeah. exists. Don't make them drink it. So, Well, yeah, and, and at the end of the day, the you know, as you guys know, there's like levels of expertise and things, and we're basically at the bottom rung. <laughs> you know, and your and your average general physicians a little bit higher, but they're certainly not an expert in things like, you know, anything. That, with yeah, well, no, like like stuff like artificial sweeteners. That's yeah. not their job. Yeah, and you know, but and when you get to the very top of the pyramid, like um, I believe the the some of the best work being done on like the effects of artificial sweeteners is done in Israel, and I. I've read that things I've read out coming out of, I think it was in nutrition saying they just don't know. So these are people who are at the tip of the spear of <laughs> researching the effects of, of artificial sweeteners on people. And they're like, well, we think it's safe, but we're not a hundred percent sure. So why is you know, Meanwhile, the people who yeah. are freaking out about our artificial sweeteners, some of yeah. them are smoking, they're drinking yeah. alcohol. Well, that's, a, that's Playing a world of work. God, God only knows. One day out of, out of every right? three. So, it's like, uh, okay, fine. Like, is this stuff really the worst thing that you're even ingesting? Yeah, like if you're a trainer, your zone of expertise is teaching a freaking barbell curl and like helping someone like stick to a meal plan. I mean, you're not going to be going. You don't know the nuances of the research into all these things. So just stay in your lane and focus on what you, and get really good at what you're supposed to be good at. So. It's just funny that we bring up diet, whatever yeah. soda, because it seems like that comes up every five years. But it's just it's just like the reoccurring like keto or like it's always one of these fucking things. And it does, like you said, it always comes down to context and actually just yeah. be a coach and be able to disseminate some of this stuff because like, all that stuff yeah. doesn't really matter. Like it does it's contextually fucking... maybe one out of 10 people, but then fucking figure it out at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel bad for the average person because they, they get, you know, get hammered by all these articles and shit on the internet, shit on Instagram of, you know, of all these people who are really emphatic and they've got the answer. And meanwhile, they don't know shit. Um, but they're just, all this information gets in people's brains and, uh, and you get total analysis paralysis, and and this, and this, that that goes back to why I like rules because there's no analysis. If I tell someone, okay, we're not going to eat after nine, you know, like fuck all the the context mm -hmm. behind it or the reasoning. It's just let's let's have this rule that's very easy to manage. This is yes or no. It's a stop sign. And hopefully you know your stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and talking <laughs> about like not knowing shit, um, we wanted to go here about the low calorie stuff. But you recently mentioned comments by John Meadows relating to. Getting oh, yeah. basically super lean, and in order to do so, you need to be super low in calories. Yeah. Would you break down why we need super low calories here, and, and the fears and misinformation about yeah. essentially getting this low, and like kind of define what low is in in the context we're talking about? Yeah, and I when you mentioned that question, I, I was like, there's a huge dose of context there. We're talking um, the context of that that was he was talking about getting 90s lean. And so everyone who was born in the 90s is like, what the heck is that? But in like 90s lean, that, that's a, an era of bodybuilding where guys were – it's probably where bodybuilding kind of peaked yeah. in terms of that combination of size and just being not just lean but dry. You know, Now guys are, are a lot bigger but they're not as well, – whatever. That, it's a whole other argument. But what he was talking about is getting to that level of body fat where you're just you're, – you're, you're a heartbeat away from dead. Like you're, you're, you're that lean. <laughs> And um, and he you know he describes his diet leading up to that. It was like three weeks of just egg whites, and I think it, I think his carbs was a, was a little bit of diet ketchup 
you know, and, and that's it. <laughs> I'm going to pause for a sec. This is a disclaimer. So like for anybody listening who like just wants to lose a little bit of body fat, this is absolutely not what we're telling you to do. This is the context of getting stage lean for bodybuilding. Yeah, but it could work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely what I want to emphasize. The context when I mentioned that was, yeah, this is getting not just lean. This is getting like ripped to this. No body fat on your body. Like you're just basically done. <laughs> so to reach that level, reach you have to go into a place where it's, it's just it. Long term, it would be very unhealthy. But short term, you know, again, context is everything. If you live a healthy, eat a healthy diet with you know more than enough calories most of the year, and then you go on a restrictive diet, then you have a little phase where you go on a ridiculously restrictive diet, it's not going to freaking kill you. I mean, because it's it's sandwiched between this this year long or multi year lifestyle that's extremely healthy. So you know if you're if you're but if you just jump into you know a hyper low calorie diet because you want to bounce off a lot of fat that you gained on a vacation, well, no, that's that's a little less healthy. So um, especially if it's cyclical yeah. and you're repeat like yeah. basically classical yo yo dieting, right? Yeah, so you do yeah. this crash, you can't sustain it, you you end up consuming more calories. That kind of pattern long-term is yeah. extremely dangerous. I think one of the big fears is when um, language like metabolic damage got, first got thrown around uh -huh. and people really scared, oh shit, if I diet, you know, it's going to yeah. damage my metabolism, I'm fucked forever. And the research has borne that out to not actually be very Well, they've been saying like it's healthy metabolism for it to fucking slow down because it's, it's you're not eating. Well, so like it, yeah, it's okay. able to variably go with the calories. And when you are dieting, um, yeah. two things are going to happen, two major things. Anyway, one is you are going to lose some lean body mass. That is part of it. Hopefully you maintain as much as you can. But when you're really restrictive in your calories to get leaner, uh, your NEAT, your non-exercise uh, activity thermogenesis, goes down a lot. This is a massive thing. Yeah. If you're someone who's a fairly active, seeing gesture yeah. person and you're into a calorie deficit, you don't move as much. John was probably yeah. literally just sitting there sweating. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I mean, I, I sometimes miss some of the old messaging boards where... Uh, you know, where we could, you know, see how bodybuilders really live. And, uh, <laughs> I, think I mean, we talked about this before, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Like you see now people are like, Oh, I, you know, I don't want to go below 1200 calories because you know, all these horrible things will happen. My metabolism will crash and I'll whatever. I'll lose this metabolic function, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't know, like when, when a bodybuilder is at the end of their rope, I mean, Often they're well below a thousand calories, you know, and they're it's temporary. It's a couple weeks, and they're hating it, and they can barely move, and they can barely train, and it's not fun, and it's not a lifestyle, and it's not something you know you, you one would aspire to. It's just a necessary evil uh, to reach a very very temporary physical zenith. So it's like you have to always keep these contextual things in mind. Um, but I just think it's funny when, like, when did the twelve hundred calorie thing become a thing? Like now, that's like that it, magic. Is that number. a thing? I haven't even heard. I, well, I, oh, but I had that in my head, so I guess it is yeah. a very common number that gets tossed around. Yeah. That yeah. somehow, if you no, you actually hear it in context of women more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somehow you put someone on a, you hear about coaches putting people on twelve hundred calorie diets, and the other coach is like, oh yeah. fuck, that's gonna that's gonna give them metabolic damage. That's terrible. Well, first yeah. of all, a lot of small women yeah. probably should be eating. I mean, this is not like. Everybody, but there are going to be some small women who are not physically active 
We're mm-hmm. about 1,200 calories actually should be about maintenance food, right? I would, I would yeah. and if they're, if they're, if they're, if they're at 11, food. it's not going to fucking kill them. That's just <laughs> our, seven, our current society, like all these meals, everything, portion size, yeah. fucking alcohol has conditioned women yeah. to be in the same portions as men who mm-hmm. on average are heavier, they're just bigger. Yeah. And I think this actually sort of really fucks with a lot of women who, especially if there's alcohol involved, because then they're, they're trying to drink and keep up with men, which is terrifying. They have to and be perfect. <laughs> like, 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 this is the problem is that, like, 1,200 yeah. calories, you're saying some, like, there's probably a lot of inactive, well, we'll use females because yeah. they're smaller, that should be on 1,200 calories, and they can blow it out yeah. of the water with three drinks. So, I mean, they have to be fucking perfect to, like, stay yeah. thin. That's why yeah. there's a lot of people that are overweight. Because yeah. 1,200 isn't a lot when you contextually put it in a day where you're eating three meals. You get this message out there that... Yeah. Oh, uh, on the other side of it, it's like, oh, it's impossible. Therefore, you know, people should just accept that they're going to be, quote, fat or overweight. or And, yeah. I, and I don't love that either. I think you yeah. actually just have to be conscious of the fact that, like, okay, this is your physiological body. We yeah. live in a modern society that makes it really, really hard. But these are your these are your maintenance needs. These are your sustenance needs. And our ancestors survived. Again, they didn't live as long as us, but they survived on an activity level and a calorie intake. Uh, that was more or less maintenance level. Like obesity has yeah. really only exploded within, you know, the last two generations, I think is really about where it's happened. So no, we don't need the lattes. No, we don't need the portion sizes. And especially for smaller women, you don't need all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it's tougher psychologically, but at a certain point you kind of have to say to yourself, okay, wait a second. I, I cannot eat the same food yeah. as a 200 pound male if I'm a 120 pound yeah. woman. Yeah, and uh, but another really big thing though is, it, let's say someone just parachuted into this conversation and heard me blabbing about egg whites yeah. and seven, you know, they would think, well, that's you know, that's what I got to do. That's what they. Go. And if you if you don't know all the context, yeah. if you don't know like how a person normally lives most of their life and you know, their approach to food and 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 all, you know, it's very dangerous to jump on someone else's diet. Like you have to know, you know, not only just your own physiology and your own eating habits, your own needs, like before you jump onto someone else's diet, like what are they trying to do? Where are they coming from? You know, what are the, what's their goal? Like what's going on behind the curtain? Well, perfect you know? example. Andrew is what you're like 260. How many calories do you eat a day? I have you know? no fucking clue. Well, I eat 4, answer, I eat like 4,200 ish. <laughs> like I have bumpers, but I'm whatever, 230. But the context is I have muscle and I work out. Like I yeah. wouldn't tell anyone to eat 4,200 calories. You get fucking, if you, if you don't have my life, you're going to get big. Oh, and I, and I stay very stable at weight. Any given time, unless I'm aggressively yeah. trying to pursue something, I stay very, very stable. I had one of those yeah. Instagram Q&As recently, and someone asked me very specifically, it's like, how do you get from 207 pounds to 220? Halloween can. And, of course, my answer was, well, first of all, I'm assuming you mean muscle because they didn't specify. But, yeah. uh, you know, and I gave him the basics, you know, calorie surplus training, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then I said there. that what actually pushed me from 250 to 260, it was kind of like this October, November time frame. I had a whole bunch of Halloween chocolate. I buy it every year. No kids come to my door. Classic, like, I know kids are going to come to my door. And I, and so I eat basically more. like two full-size chocolate bars a day for like a month or whatever. And yeah. I just was trained like a maniac. And shit, I gained 10 pounds in the space of about two months. It was lean. People are like, that's bullshit. No, it was. It was super like lean. Like you finally oh, ate in a surplus. And, <laughs> and I stayed in there. And guess what? I just had been hovering at 260 for, fuck, maybe a year, year and a half or so. And I maintain it really well. But you parachute in that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, again, oh, that, that's another rabbit hole. Like, I make fun of this probably a little too much on, on social media is... Uh, 
oh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, so, 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 so I'm 160 pounds, you know, so, and I want to get to 170 and I've done the math and that's, you know, an extra 250 calories a day. So I'm just going to add, you know, a, a large egg and half a banana on top of my maintenance calories because everyone's got that dialed in right to the fucking yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, nth degree, you know, and that'll be enough to get me to this new body weight. And I just sit here and go, like, like where, where, like, where did this come from? Like, gaining weight is it's hard, man. Hard, like it, gaining real weight is hard. Like, if you want to go from one sixty to one seventy, well, you you should eat like you want to be two hundred. Yeah. You know, and blow away the fuck past 170. And when you, you mentioned know. something there, like you got your maintenance dialed in, you push your maintenance higher, then everything yeah. upregulates, and then you, it bumps up even yeah. higher. You like you have to eat like you're yeah. 200 because your body's smart; it does not want to gain weight. You probably got to eat like six, seven hundred yeah. calories. Oh yeah, and you got you two know. chocolate bars, like a day. You know, there 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 are no lean gains, man. I mean, like there you have to just gain, <laughs> and then you have to hold it a bit. That's another thing. People don't do it yeah. properly. Is they, is they get it, hit a new body weight. They're like, but all right, done. Time to, time to, you time know, to mini cut, cut this yeah. shit off. And it's just like, no, you have to stabilize it. Like the point you're at right now, Andrew, where you just, you just like, whatever, you know, no matter what you eat, you're going to get on the scale and you're going to be within a pound or two of the yep. same thing. Exactly. That's the perfect place to be to go in either direction. Yeah. Yeah. Like now I'm going to get ripped. Boom. Cause, or now I want to gain weight. Cause you're like, fuck. You're ready. It's the you know it's when your skills all over the place. Like you want to get things kind of stabilized for a bit. Um, that's why I, I I think mini cats have their place. Um, definitely, especially they're psychologically they're they're very helpful. But like the whole mini ball thing, like what the fuck? Like where 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 do people come up with this? Here's another thing too for anybody who's you know <laughs> been gaining weight or wants to, and, and this is actually kind of important is when you gain you know ten pounds or whatever, you feel heavier. You feel fucking heavy. You feel in your yeah. joints. You feel in your knees, uh, especially when you get to kind of into the like the two twenty five, two fifty, yeah. two sixty area. Yeah. It takes a little time to get used to walking around at that new weight. So if you put on twenty, thirty, thirty five pounds fairly quickly, now if that's like a, a six foot tall guy with a really wiry frame who puts on thirty pounds of lean muscle because it's his first eight months of training he's been eating that's fine like you can yeah, yeah, yeah. you can have that no problem but you start getting into bigger bigger weights for your frame you're going to feel those 10 pounds and it doesn't always feel good you feel heavy no. you feel slow you have to take a little time to get used to it now i walk around i feel great but and a every, little time is like six months no i, find, I would say it, like because i'm at six months and i've gained it's eight not pounds. that long i find but it takes a while it's it's not a month and it yeah. you know for for 10 pounds, you really probably are going to want to get used to that weight for a little while. Um, if you take someone who's 250 and they go on a big fucking cycle and a lot of crazy shit and all of a sudden they blow up 30 pounds or shooting insulin, all this crazy crap, they're going to feel like death at 280. They gain 30 yeah. pounds. That's going to feel fucking terrible if you yeah. put that on in, in several months. But again, this is some pretty advanced <laughs> and specific shit that doesn't apply to most of our listeners. So. Well, well, yeah, that nth degree, yeah. But even just gaining, you know, twenty pounds over your target weight, like especially as you get older, like it's I hate being the way I feel. Just when I'm quote unquote bulking, I don't even really aggressively bulk anymore. But it, it's because you you look bad. <laughs> You're a vain bastard <laughs> oh, yeah. like me. Because you know, you look bad. You you don't move well, and and just go up your flight of stairs, and and you're breathing heavy. It's embarrassing. Um, but there's just no better way to add lean mass than to just add some fat mass and just get bigger and own it, settle in, and then diet it off. 
Okay, Andrew's pointing at me, but it's basically because <laughs> we're talking about human psyche stuff and like yeah. got to get used to it. But and he dives through all this stuff. A recent post, Brian posts oh, no. all the time. Quote: If I could end somehow, or if I could end somehow, hack into the human psyche and scrub one feature from programming, it's our oh, unrelenting ability to rationalize poor choices. End quote. <laughs> what do you usually see here, and how does it interfere with with fitness programs? Well, I mean, most like. Much of my clientele is kind of is Gen Pop, and and Gen Pop typically wants fat loss, um, but people are people are you know are, are are certainly at that at that average or at that mainstream level. People are pretty bright, like they're well they're a lot more well read than ever, and they and they get these these things in their head, um, and like a, a classic thing is like no one wants to feel like they fucked up, and no one wants to feel guilt and and feel that like they screwed up and, and that they can't handle a plan, so. You know, a, a very common psychological defense mechanism is, is to rationalize that behavior. And it, that, you know, I meant to do that. You know, the whole Pee Wee Herman, you know. Um, <laughs> so in the context of fat loss, you have somebody who's on a diet and they blow it. Like they just, whatever, they give in. You know, it's pizza night with the boys or whatever. And they, and they just crush it and they feel like they feel terrible at first. But then they're like, you know what? I was feeling flat at the gym anyway. And I could tell that, uh, you know. <laughs> I was my RPE wasn't matched. I don't know. You know, That's and, a great so therefore, example. yeah, you know, therefore I needed that food, or you know, I could, or you know, I could, I could tell I wasn't burning as many calories. I wasn't feeling as warm. You know, so I had that huge cheat meal. And now I'm just running red hot. So therefore, you know, I I increased my endogenous T uh, three. Yeah. So I really I really needed that massive bolus of carbs. It's always a bolus. Um, Massive bolus of carbs to like upregulate my metabolism and increase leptin. Leptin that's, ten years ago, that's leptin a was massive bad. bolus of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and you just like, like, so you know, like what? First of all, what are you measuring? Are you measuring your blood work? Are you are you, are you <laughs> seeing what your T three <laughs> levels are like before and after said binge? You know, are you, are you measuring your leptin? Like, like, and that and that rock and workout you had the next day? Yeah, because you, you ate a bunch of food, you filled out, you stored a bunch of glycogen, a bunch of salt, a bunch of water. Of course you're stronger, you know, you look better because all of a sudden you're filled out and you, you know, whenever you have a big cheat meal, you pee a lot. So you peed out a lot of water. Of course you look better. But, um, all this, this rationalizing negative behavior, that's a big thing to overcome. Like my clients who, who, who accept that, you know, sometimes I just break down and I have a cheat meal though. And they accept it as that as a mistake that they're working on. They do much better. All of a sudden they cheat way less. Because they're like, you know what? This is my thing. This is the thing I got to battle against. You know, especially when they do stuff like um, they go home, like they go visit their families, and their diet goes to hell. Um, when they when I help them connect the dots, that it's they're not weak. They're just going back home into their old you know way of traveling and their old patterns, and it's very tough to break. And they're you know the what they're doing is is normal. It's not productive, but it's normal. Those are the people who who typically get a lot more success because they're like, yeah, this is just a, this is a simple psychological thing that I got to deal with. This is my little battle that I got to work on probably for the rest of my life. But once you start trying to, you know, make yourself feel better by bamboozling with bullshit, like, yeah, you know, Oh, I had to overfeed to stimulate this metabolic process. Like those, that's when you never get better. Well, cause you're, yeah, there's, and like you said, yeah. they're well read. So they'll search yeah. for their, an- they'll find their they'll, answer, whatever that answer ends up being. Yeah. And you, see, you see it all the time in bodybuilding. Oh man, I really needed that cheat meal. 
It's like, no, nah, dude, you really wanted that cheat meal, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's fucking fine. I mean, I'd be I'd question your intelligence if you didn't want it. Like, but it's just don't try to don't fool yourself. Well, you especially know? when, like you said, people are working with you. So, like, if you don't have the information, you can't create a strategy or even like figure it out. Because if they're yeah. hiding it or, or doing that, then you're at a loss of information. And yeah, like I'm amazed at how people will beat themselves up because, oh, you know, I, I was traveling and I just couldn't stick to a diet, to the diet, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, cause it's yeah. fucking hard. Absolutely, you know? <laughs> it's hard. Like, don't feel, yeah, like I, it's don't feel bad. I mean, it's, it's you know, you didn't do yourself any favors, but don't beat yourself up. This shit is hard. You know, you're you're changing time zones. You're sleeping in different beds. You're around different food, different stimulants. Like, it's a difficult thing that you're gonna have to work on. That we all work on. Like, nobody's very few people are perfect robots. And especially if it's like the traveling one's a good one because there's a difference between I travel all the time. Then you probably should probably uh, figure it out. Or yes, I yeah. traveled once and I fucked it up. It's like, well, that's not a regular part of the equation. But if someone who has these goals and is traveling like for work all the time, like it's probably better to figure out something. Yeah. Yeah, that's an that's an excellent point. Like, um, there's a big difference between vacation travel and like business travel because you know, because you know, business travel is typically confined within a work week. Yeah. You know, that, then you want to try to make your life on the road as close to your normal life as you possibly can, and, and find those like that one restaurant you go to, you know, that has like a really you know really clean meal or whatever, you know, that one hotel that's close to the gym, that kind of shit. Um, so you could get into a pattern because the pattern is everything. But going on a vacation or going, you know, that I'm give yourself some slack. Do the best you can. You don't need to rationalize that one. Yeah. Well, you'd be a lot of people come back from vacation. I it it always depresses me. Like they feel so bad because oh, I gained a bunch of weight. You know, it's like it's temporary. Especially if you were in a good metabolic place before you went. You'll all that weight you gained. Even if you ate your ass off for an entire week. And gain 15 pounds, it'll be gone within seven days of just returning to your previous eating pattern. So that's how the body works. I mean, so it, I think like I pissed out like six pounds coming back from vacation overnight. Yeah, just like yeah. I, I like getting home in the afternoon and then like eating, but then getting back into regular schedule, yeah. regular temperature, regular humidity where you're at, and so, it's a lot. Totally. Yeah, I was I was just down south for a week, and and just it's funny looking at pictures when you arrive, and you're all like, whatever, you know, all. Oh, yeah. relatively lean you're lean and whatever and then the day you're leaving you're like whoa i'm pregnant we had that so we went to a bachelor party in mexico when i was younger and there yeah. was the this i remember because they're on our plane there's just they were younger than us we were like 25 they're like 19 20 and they were just fucking shredded like you could yeah. tell like they they and by literally like three days into it we didn't even recognize them they were just oh, yeah. so puffed up like, oh man oh that's the yeah that's why the one of the worst things you can do is um is book like an all-inclusive of, of some kind right after the end of a long diet? Because, oh my God. It, it can be hard in your head if you, if you don't know what's going on because you will gain 25 pounds. Oh, yeah. And that's one of those situations where there's this old myth in the bodybuilding industry that, oh, right after show, you're most anabolic and then for people just like <laughs> crazy fuckers. And then they think that they're like, a lot of this stuff is like muscle mass. No, you are going to soak up body fat like something else. Oh, man. Oh god, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, you're the most anabolic right after a show. Yeah, well, what were you ru- what were you running going into the show? Because that's still in your system, dude. So, uh, yeah, that, that grandma test uh, and all that trend, it's it's still there. So of course you're anabolic. Um, but um, yeah, that's one of my favorite things is when you um, 
when you see somebody who's dieting, especially if they're kind of new to it, they're dieting for whatever thing, a bodybuilding show or a photo shoot, and they're about two weeks away, and they look great. You know, they're getting a little tired of it, but they look good, and they're like, they always say, yeah, you know, I love how I look right now, and I just want to maintain this. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you try to be, you know, positive to them. You're like, yeah, yeah, you can maintain that. And then always, you see them a week after, and they're just whatever, <laughs> just a grease fire. Uh, it's like there's there's a reason they call it a peak because <laughs> you're, you're not supposed to maintain that shit. No. And so, if you've got somebody like, I mean, there's there's natural competitors, there's there's untested competitors. You get the natural ones. You're down in that kind of state of leanness. That shit is messed with your hormones bad. You do not want to live there. Guys, your testosterone is in the toilet. Your libido's gone. Like that's not a good. My, place my buddy Ryan, natural bodybuilder, he like did his blood work through it. Like he was like low, low, low test. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it fucked up all his stuff, and I don't think it recovered for at least four or five months. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know a few people who've been through that shit. Yeah, that's that doesn't sound like a very fun place to be. I'm dying. I've never dieted for show. I've never been down that lean, yeah. so I don't have a clue what that feels like. But it's it's, it's interesting. Like they have done studies on on that and. You don't even well, they, their extreme diets on natural competitors. They don't really lose much lean mass. It's no. surprising. So like the whole you lose muscle thing is a bit of a myth, especially on low but, test. Like they're like, yeah. oh, I don't have my testosterone losing. I'm losing muscle. I think that's been debunked too. Like you don't yeah, necessarily yeah. need a lot of tests to build muscle. No, you don't need much. Um, as long as certain, you're in <laughs> certainly physiological yeah. ranges, right? No, even low, yeah. even low. They were like they had a study where they I think they they cut yeah. out GNHR. Anyways, they they had a stop yeah. on it and they still gain almost just as much muscle as the guys. That, well, that actually makes sense when you consider that women relative to their size can build muscle fairly comparably to men that yeah. people are going to be like, what? Like, no, like think about the, the average physical frame of a woman. You have to do it in the context of relative yeah. size of frame. So there's obviously a big difference there on average, but women have nowhere near the level of testosterone we do and they build muscle relatively well. It's just that the sheer size of the big, big guys and their genetic potential to put on a lot of muscles like changes the perception of the ability of men to women to build yeah. muscle. Women build muscle very, very well, and they do it without a lot of testosterone. So that actually stands yeah. to reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it, it, the whole testosterone muscle building thing is a is a bit overstated, but certainly more is better. More is better. Super. Like that, there is that part. Like, super normal <laughs> amounts. Well, super yeah, normal and, physiological yeah, amounts. Yeah. That's a whole different story. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, like natural test boosters, you know, like taking tribulus and fucking supplement stores. <laughs> that does leave my nineteen-year-old self alone. Right. I had boners in the morning at nineteen because of those test boosters. <laughs> well, if you don't have boners in the morning, you're nineteen. Then come on, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I was low. Yeah, I that's, that's probably false equivalency right there. Um, yeah. Quick comment on test stuff, though. There are actually a handful of things, if you are deficient in them, yeah. it can yeah. actually really help with your testosterone levels. If you're deficient in, well, Brian, you actually probably know this list better than I do, but Why, I think uh, zinc, vitamin D. Zinc, uh, zinc D3, yeah, fats, yeah, fat, saturated fat, apparently. Yeah. Sleeping. Uh, sleeping. Oh, sleeping, sleeping <laughs> is <laughs> Shit, I wrote about this recently. I just wrote an article that actually mentions that. That's, how people, get, that's right how people in the States have been getting subscriptions. They just... Like sleep deprive themselves and go get us. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. Oh yeah, like it was. That's the whole. That's the one. The the best thing about steroids and that, and Dan Duchesne had this great quote is uh, is like dieting with ster dieting without steroids is like dieting without a net. So it's just if like if you have that anabolic you know safety net, you can do a lot of dumb shit. You can you can do hours of cardio. You can eat next to nothing. You can. 
do the egg whites and ketchup diet. Like if you have this anabolic safety net, you, you can do all these things and not, you know, not quote unquote suffer, you know, suffer being an extreme word. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the biggest and That thing. goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time is context. And a lot of that stuff, um, like you can say yeah. you're, you're trolling back door um, bodybuilding forums. Like that stuff doesn't make it out to the magazine article about losing fat over 12 weeks and not eat and eating 900 calories like that doesn't make it out there and it's it's, it's fine like it shouldn't like those guys are going to ruin their reputations but like there's a lot of stuff that gets left unsaid and the people who know what to look for know how to look for it but like the general public can't sift that through that shit let's yeah, yeah I, but now it's funny now now people get all this information and and not to turn this into you know steroid jock talk but i mean like what what young people what they know about anabolics or if they think they know, that's even worse. What they think they know is, is pretty scary. And what people take just for, you know, a local bodybuilding show. I don't know. I don't well, know. These things go, they come across my desk sometimes. I'm like, Whoa, that's, that's, you're... that's a big pet peeve of mine. Cause you get uh, some coaches and you know, I'll put this shit on blast. And they conveniently are the ones who also supply the drugs and they're putting oh, yeah. uh, men's physique guys on Probably four or five different compounds plus a few peptides. You, These guys are on insulin and growth hormone. It's like holy shit! You see, this, this stuff is way more than like nineties bodybuilding. You know what's getting worse? <laughs> you know what's worse though to see it is is the powerlifting world. It's like oh, I'm on this program. I bet deadlift went for four hundred to uh, five eighty five for five, and it's like, like was it the program? And like so that's that whole idea of like yeah. they're selling programs on this shit too. It's like wow. So I, I think that's where the ethics. I, I love this shit. There's one guy I know, and he's pretty wild. So he, he's just like loading up to do some crazy amounts of, of lift for a, it's an untested federation. I think he's an equipped lifter on top of it. And he just, I see him one day and his eyes are yellow. What have you done to your liver? He's on so much halo test and anadrol that it's, oh, God. it's scary. Pretty strong. He's pretty strong. So that's another thing. If you see someone with yellow eyes, like just assume like they're either, their diet's very, yeah. insufficient in some micronutrients or and but and, if they have lots of muscles they probably and to be explicit anyone who doesn't quite, quite follow what yellow eyes means it means your liver is jaundiced <laughs> and it's not functioning very well because it's been under so much stress due to metabolizing these really really toxic compounds uh and oral steroids so a little jaundice never hurt anyone <laughs> uh, there's so many great titles we could call this episode that just everybody's going to be freaking out about uh let's bring it back to the well, yeah. the reason why we actually time this episode because we've had every one of our presenters actually except dean somerset we haven't been able to time him uh, but everybody else we've gotten on the podcast in advance of uh you know mid-september yeah. our event so i know you're still working on what you're going to talk about you know you you've spoken a lot of these things i first met you in kansas city my first ever one of these kind of major events and yeah. uh you know and you and i i think have actually attended several together we've been in calgary twice and two rp things and uh, yeah. I, I think it was like there's been a couple other ones so you know what what do these things do for you personally and what do you see as the value for people going to these events um well, you know, I I used to attend, you know, kind of uh, conferences a lot um, when I was when I was kind of just getting getting my feet wet in the industry and figuring out what I want to do. And the biggest thing is you see all these different areas where, you know, people can earn a living and make a difference. And I you can kind of find ways where your own personal skill set, if you've identified that, where you can use that to you know 
advance your career and help people. Because uh, it'd be very daunting. I mean, like, like I hear to listen to someone like Dean talk, and I'm like, um, I'm like, how the hell could I ever like do that? Like, how much, yeah. how much education would I have to like put myself through and hopefully absorb um, to even just have his base of knowledge, much less his base of experience? So that's really intimidating. But then you see somebody else who's doing something a little bit different. Maybe they're just more, you know, whatever, doing like online coaching or they're doing more whatever group training, whatever, all these different avenues where you can take a, a passion and a skill set and make a difference and earn a living. So I think that's one of the best things about these things is you just see opportunities and you can see someone like you can kind of emulate yourself after two degree. Um, well, and we were saying that even before we're like, when we're talking about why this was important even for me to start was because that same structure of like finding your place in industry that you think is just training. Yeah. There's so much yeah. more is that I realized that within the first, well, first three hours of mine. And so we needed to bring something for people here just because like, I don't think, especially if you're in Edmonton or Calgary, you have to travel a lot of these places to, to even accept that. And, and the conference might suck. So we just decided to yeah. put a badass one here that we could bring that atmosphere to the people that we want to have that experience. And I don't think everyone does yeah. have that experience. And the ones that do end up going places usually if they can capitalize on finding yeah. where they fit, but you don't know where you fit if you're not exposed to it. Yeah. Because there's just, it's such a, the industry is still just in its infancy and mm -hmm. there's just so many different ways where, well, one of my big things is that everything is connected and people sometimes, especially coaches do themselves a disservice by always focusing on, whatever the training program or the diet or the habits or or the lifestyle all of this stuff is connected and if something is falling apart everything else suffers so you can have someone on the best diet and follow the best meal plan blah 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 but you know if, they, if their lifestyle isn't in check you know if they if they you know not sleeping enough or if they're whatever uh everything else suffers so i find like the the more there's so many different areas where you can affect change and you can make somebody better and you can like target something that needs to be addressed. And I mean, just in the last five years, like the way the industry has grown and all these different niches that have come up, it's, you know, it's, it's fascinating. And just every five years, it seems to double. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if, if nothing else, when you go to a conference like this, you just, you kind of just, all I see is opportunity. And even as like, when I'm just, when I'm presenting, I'm looking like, wow, if I incorporate this into my business, you know, because that works with me and I agree with that and it stokes my fire and I can learn more. I can, you know, be that much better. It just, yeah. It's what, when you go to these things, it's also yeah. what you put into them is what you get out. I know a lot of people yeah. will sit quietly and absorb the information and that can be great. Yeah. Uh, when I first met you, no one in the industry knew who the fuck I was. Uh, just yeah. showed up down there with, uh, with our friend Hannah Gray, who's one of the speakers and one of our team at this event. Absolutely. And, and Dean Somerset, right? Yeah. And so I just started meeting people at this event, got talking to the, the various presenters. I'm pretty, really good friends with a lot of the people who spoke at that first one. And it just opened my eyes to what other people were doing. Uh, and I, up to that point, just been a trainer who just pounded sessions. Like I was a yeah. session producing yeah. monster and successful in that realm. Lots of experience. But this just opened my eyes to stuff. It wasn't too long after that that Dita and I started talking and uh, doing the podcast. So that's kind of become this really cool, fun vehicle to to network with our, our friends and new people. And, and that's been awesome. 
we have now have this event. I've gotten more into the mm-hmm. online space. I started writing my, for my own website. That opened up yep. the opportunity yep. and the network where Danny mm-hmm. Sugar reached out to me. We, we started talking and she's like, hey, do you want to come write for T Nation? Like, it's because it opened your eyes. Holy like, fucking like, hell. Mm-hmm. And then so brought Dean down to the Kansas City Fitness Summit the following year. He met up with Mike T. Nelson and Mike Dola. All of a sudden, he's partnered in a Stronger You project. And then now he's involved with Stronger Experts. Like, if you embrace this stuff and meet people, yep. connect, get them on fucking Facebook, get phone numbers, you know, get email nope. addresses. It's amazing what you can do in this world. And don't get bombed and be an idiot. Well, getting bombed, <laughs> getting <laughs> bombed could be really fun too, but yeah. just don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also cool because I'll, if you meet, when you meet people who are at a whatever higher level, that sounds terrible. No, it's you know, true. Though, higher it's level, they're, true. they're in a career than you. Yeah, they've advanced. Yeah, you very quickly when you get to know them, very quickly you find out all the things they failed at and all the you know all the all the things that their their missteps and how their road has been and it's very um you know it's it kind of stokes your fire because you're like wow I'm not such a loser after all <laughs> everyone else hasn't had this meteoric rise everyone's had their ups and downs and had to redefine themselves and try yeah. things that didn't work and I think a lot of the times yeah. you even look at. And we've, we've noticed this with our podcasts because we've met a lot of these people now that at, at a certain point, I was like, holy fuck, like, look what they're doing. But yeah. they, it's, they're not too far removed, yeah. like in, especially in the fitness industry. And, and even if you look at monetary, how much money, it's not that far removed from where a lot of the trainers are. They just yeah. don't see it that way because they think everyone's up here. Um, I'm making a big pedestal when really it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like literally a few years and a few good connections and then just hard work. And a lot of it's not nothing that is unattainable by any means. Yeah. Like the PhD yeah. thing and like that realm, you got to get a PhD yeah. and be really specified in it. But like outside of that, a lot of the opportunities, you don't need a PhD or a master's to do half that shit. Oh. No, just really just have to double down on, on what you're good at, what, yeah. you know, kind of what you, stokes you. And then, <laughs> and hate the word, but then you got to grind. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't you can't be Greg Knuckles. You have to like literally go into the research and get your PhD and then do stronger by science. But like, or, there's a lot of people who like Greg's warm up weight would actually kill Brian. Brian would be in the hospital oh, trying to use no, his warm up no, weight. So, no, I, I wouldn't even. Brian's at two twenty five or ten RPE. Like, doesn't even know. <laughs> see, I'm old and I'm smart. I'd show up and I'd see his warm up weight. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Greg's a kid. Greg is younger than all of us, right? This motherfucker is smart, but he is a kid by comparison. How old is he? He's in his mid twenties. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, I, I think like I think he's like I don't know. Maybe he's like twenty six or something. He's like he, year. he like hasn't like trained like he's been training obviously, but his new thing is like oh I just started getting back into it. I got to push for like a big PR total. It's just like he hadn't been posting any deadlifts, and he's like oh I'll back up to like six fifty or whatever it was. And what the fuck? Like oh, yeah. he's he's a goddamn mutant. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, we always ask this, and I'm curious to see with you know your your young fellow and everything if you've had time to read anything remotely useful. You got anything to share? You know, honestly, I've really cut back on. I, I still buy books, especially ebooks. Great, because yeah, you uh, love yeah. fucking like piling up books you don't books, read. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, what have you bought that you haven't read that's really good? <laughs> oh man, what have I bought? Man. You guys are going to hate me. He's like I'm looking home. around at all the books. It's going to be a book with swearing in the title. Did you buy and read James yeah. Fell's book? Is, is that what you did? No, no, no. I But you know those books that everybody buys and reads and, and they then they say they love them so much? Yeah, Twilight. 
fuck? Um, <laughs> no, no I still haven't art. read, and I'm looking at it right now. I still haven't read Atomic Habits. I haven't read it either. And James Clear's book. It's really good. It it actually, I, know, I know it's really good. That's why I haven't really, read it. I know it's, actually, it's really good. Yeah, it's yeah. not that long, and it's actually an easy read. I mean, it's in my top five. I feel like I know the whole book, though. Like yeah. at some point, everyone's made an Instagram post about a certain chapter, and like, it's just, I know every. Honestly, James is a great writer, and he's a fucking no. nice guy. I met him at the same time. He's not making him feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, of course, that's why I bought it. I knew it was gonna be good. I know it's I, that's the thing. I know it's good. And I don't even have to fucking read it. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. I feel the same way. Well, okay, cool. guys, Brian's recommendation is go read Atomic Habits, and maybe you'll read it before <laughs> right. he's finished. And tell me, tell me <laughs> how it is. <laughs> Message yeah. him on social media. And tell him if it's good. Whatever yeah. happened to like Cole's notes? Like they still. Like, I, I wish they made effort. I know. Well, you know if you uh, like look at the Wikipedia book yeah, sometimes to get that. like a, the shitty. Yeah, I've done kinda, that. Yeah, they actually I've, have like. I think it's on Kindle. Like the the their, their books things they have like little synopses of like really complicated books and they're like yeah. whatever twenty pages and they're pretty good. If you want to cheat the system. Yeah, well, what I did do actually is I've, because I was dieting recently and doing a bunch of cardio, I got back into podcasts. Yeah. Um, but I found myself, I don't know if you guys do this, but you know, when you're dieting, you kind of get back into your old bodybuilding meathead thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I do. But uh, also, I'm listening to all these like um, uh, Dave Palumbo podcasts. <laughs> so I'm hearing all this like total bodybuilding, esoteric, minutiae, insulin protocols, all this shit that's just not applicable to me at all. <laughs> And after, and I'm of course I'm absorbing it. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, why do I, why am I listening to this? Like, <laughs> like I really don't need to know somebody's, you know, I don't know. Anyway, their insulin protocol leading up to a show. Like, I really don't need to know this. Jesus, so. it's funny. Uh, uh, a bodybuilder I case. know. This reminds me of this shit. Like a bodybuilder I know, and like I just see him. We're in the change room at the same time at Good Life. Right, and Good Life is funny because we're up in Canada. So if you're Canadian, you know Good Life. So they have like. <laughs> These needle, like these insulin needle fucking things, <laughs> you can put these needles in, right? So of course, yeah, because yeah, there's like a shit ton of diabetics in the gym. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> well, there's a lot of insulin anyway, and of course, like you know, the, the, people have this misconception. Guys are like shooting up steroids right in front of everybody in the in the in the fucking change room. It's not quite how it works. But yeah, he just like just sit away talking. All of a sudden, out pops a needle, injects something into his bicep. But I look at him, I was like, "Is that insulin?" He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> just fuck, there he goes. <laughs> like, like it's no big deal, right? And I'm just really laughing. Cool. And so there's a reason why they have these repositories. And yes, it really does have to do with the fucking bodybuilders that are in there and everybody else. Uh, but I suppose it's better than not. So I just saw that and I thought that was just fucking hysterical. Yeah. Um, I still, I still get a kick out of it. If I go to a gym and I see there's a yeah. A place to dispose your syringes. I know I'm in a good place. <laughs> At least, like, <laughs> you know, there's a hack squat in the screen. Like, there's a Smith machine, like press, a few squat racks. Like, you're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you have a if you have a needle disposal and don't have like a nice hack squat, like you're fucking doing it wrong. <laughs> My the first the first gym I went to, I think it was it was an old world gym. They used to have a sign above the toilet. I can still remember this. It was like it was like assholes. Don't flush your syringes. <laughs> What? Why would they do that? Well, people forget that one of the main reasons why we have uh, this proliferation of gyms like the Good Life's, like the, well, the Gold's, certainly the Gold's were kind of the ones that started it all. The World's Gym, uh, not to be confused with another chain that's local. Yeah, no, I won't, no. won't they, Those that shall no. not be named. Um, but they're changing their names soon. They're totally rebranding themselves, which is kind of funny. So, but World's Gym, Gold's Gym, these are the reasons why we have everything nowadays. This, all these LA fitnesses everywhere, these Anytime Fitnesses. 
And it's because of the bodybuilders. So it, it all started with Arnold. It all started with the bodybuilders mm-hmm. as this aspirational culture of getting jacked and lean. And it's yep. it's broadened out into being really accessible to the general populace. Absolutely. Yep. Like personal training wasn't a thing in the 70s. It was rare if it even existed at all. That's mm-hmm. come along, along a lot later. So Arnold and the popularization of bodybuilding is the reason why you know general population fitness is a massive thing. It's the, why we have this industry we do, and it's why more and more people are healthier and taking care of themselves. So the needle disp- dispositories are, are paying homage to them. And right. in, in a twisted way, it is you know it, it's where it all came from. So I mean, you see that. Don't judge. I mean, someone else. No, they're type two diabetic man, or sorry, type one. Yeah, all these, all these bodybuilders are, are diabetics. Type one diabetics. Yeah. It's just no man. If, yeah. Like if you're if anybody I know who's really good at getting people not just contest lean, but just getting normal lifestyle people lean, uh, they have a good grasp of like habits, and they have a very good grasp of bodybuilding. You know, so if you if you're missing one of those, I mean, you don't have to become a competitive bodybuilder, but you have to understand those processes, and it's always. You know, it's not just whatever drugs or diet. It's it's delayed gratification. You know, consistency. You know, day in day out. You know, like bodybuilders are so boring is because they've figured this out. The easiest way to yeah. do this do the same things every day is just to be a boring human. So, but these are things you can pick up from that just make make you so much better at at coaching fat loss. And, what yeah. are the real reasons why you know we've had you on here five times and hopefully people realize through conversation with you is uh, and Brian writes a lot of stuff on on his Facebook so go follow him on Facebook uh, you pump out tons of really useful practical information it's not abstract research science but it does take pieces from research as it applies to helping people it is some of the most practical information you will find in our industry that is why you are highly regarded and highly sought after as a coach so you know i've been reading your stuff for a really really long time so you know when we always say hey guys go follow the people that we're we have on here i'm dead fucking serious there's a reason why brian has been on this podcast and a lot of other podcasts as many times as he has there's a lot of very valuable shit that you as the enthusiast who isn't the coach who listens to us, that obviously coaching is another thing he does really, really well, but just go and have access to this info. So go follow him on your Facebook. Uh, what's your Instagram handle? Do you know uh, it's uh, Brian Cron. Oh. Fancy enough. Yeah. Pretty simple. <laughs> He's got all yeah. his pretty pictures on there too. You really, well, you're getting better. Yeah, it's all my dogs lately, but I'll get better at it. I'll I think like it. so five times we've had him on like – because that was when you're like, oh, I'm just starting out the Instagram thing. And, and like, the first one was actually with Isertel and Spencer Nadolsky. That that's the first time he brought you on. That, yeah, the first time. And then we brought him right on afterwards. We had the oh, Maximus, yeah. the Gladiator oh, yeah. uh, graphic. Oh, no. And then <laughs> we right, had yeah. you on yeah. Drunk at a Park Bench. And that oh. was one where you're telling like some really funny stories. Mm-hmm. And then we had you on with Mega Marty McPhee, who, of course, Marty is hysterical. He's great. And this yeah. one's five. So if you All want right. to hear more of Brian's stuff, guys, we've had him on tons. And uh, thanks so much for coming on today. And right. I guess we're going to see you just uh, in a few short weeks here. So, Absolutely. I'm looking cool. forward to it. Yeah, we'll go squat together. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, take it easy. Shut up and sit down.